O'Malley. Thank you, Pastor. I invite you to take your Bibles. Go with me to the New Testament book of Galatians. I'll start there this evening. Galatians chapter number four. I'm on. The, the, the pack is on. If the hair boy in the sound booth is paying attention. His wife reminded me that the microphone only works for 30 minutes. I told her, no problem, I'm union, I got this. Galatians chapter 4 is from where we'll read. First of all, let me say thank you for your hospitality, your kindness. Many of you were kind on the way out and shaking hands. I appreciate that. Thank you for the warm welcome as well. I appreciate your kindness. Thank you for the place to stay and the meal today as well. Thank you much for those things. Galatians chapter 4, verse number 1. Now I say, the I in this verse is referring to Paul. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, he's giving us an illustration. After that illustration, he'll make an application. So watch for those things to develop. Now I say that the heir, we understand heir is someone who is going to receive an inheritance from someone else, that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant. So we have the picture of a, a home setting where there is a young child in that house, and he's going to make a reference to the fact that between the servant in that home and that child, there's no real difference, even though he would be, and if you'll allow me this extension, heir to the throne or heir to the inheritance of some way. He said, as long as he, sorry, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governments, governors until the time appointed of the father. So the kid is in the house. He's being raised by servants and teachers and counselors. And there'll be a time when the kid stops receiving that tutelage or that governance. And that time is set by his father. Continue. Even so we. So now we tra transfer from the illustration to the application. Even so we. When we were children. What were we? Well, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. What is bondage? It's to be held captive, to be held by some opposing force. You say, I don't remember being in bondage. I'll remind you, Romans 5, 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So that death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. The bondage under which we were born is sin. You are not a sinner just by the performance of a deed that is a crime against God's righteousness. You are born in sin. Even the most precious darling child that's been born into the church recently, that child is born with a sin nature. You can thank Adam for that. Not if there's somebody here named Adam. He had nothing to do with it. This bondage is what motivated God. The next verse in verse number four says, But 
This divine conjunction exists for our benefit to say there was bondage. And, present tense, there is bondage. Mankind is still born in sin. But, when the fullness of the time was come, when that word fullness is used, I want you to think of it as a coffee cup or a teacup, and you have the cup being, the water is being poured into it, and as it's rising, there's only one moment when it's full. Everything else is it's just being filled. God was allowing the cup of time to be filled. When Christ came, He came at the most optimum time, namely because it was God's time. The political world was ready. The infrastructure of the countries were ready. In fact, because of that infrastructure, the gospel would be able to travel. Transportation was at a prime at that season. In all of these things, the arrival of the Christ was perfect. But there had been a lot of time that passed from the Garden of Eden until that moment. And Paul is writing from the benefit of history. He, being one born out of due time, writes, But when the fullness of the time was come, what happened? God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. We were in bondage. We needed someone to pay the price to release us from bondage. What does it mean to pay the price to release from bondage? There's a precise theological word that you use to describe that. That word is redemption. Redemption means to pay the price to release from bondage. We were under the bondage of sin. And the only qualified substitute who could satisfy the wrath of God. That's another fancy theological term that we would use called propitiation. God gave His Son to pay the price to release us from bondage. You say, but why on earth would He do that? Galatians chapter 4, verse number 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. God has a mission. And that mission is crystal clear. He wants to adopt humanity in His family. I don't know the conditions of your biological family, nor the family that raised you, or the parents that raised you. I have no idea what your story is. The most important thing to me is you're right here, right now, tonight. But there is something that a child of God goes through called adoption. You may know of a physical or human adoption. But the adoption to which I'm making reference is the adoption that God offers. The adoption of sons. It comes through redemption. So when we see Christ's death on the cross, it's because of one purpose. Redemption. 
And when that redemption is offered, it's offered to all of humanity. So when we say, let's send missionaries, we are saying, please take the message of adoption to a lost and dying world. Tell people who don't know that they can be adopted into the family of God. You say, well, what is the price of adoption? I have friends who are going through the adoption process right now. $25,000 just to start. The price for your adoption costs you nothing and costs Christ everything. This mission, this mission of God is a mission that says that I will adopt all. Is this mission opposed? Most assuredly, it's opposed. This mission that God wants to save mankind, to redeem them that were under the law, us, that we might receive the adoption of sons, which comes by faith. But Satan has opposed the mission of God from the Garden of Eden. In fact, I, I think I can point to five clear incursions that Satan made to stop the mission of God. In the Garden of Eden, he tried to stop man. If you look throughout the Old Testament, you'll see that he tries to stop the nation Israel. The animus, the hatred that is toward Israel today is nothing more than the work of Satan. Why? Because Satan knows his end. He's convinced that if he can stop Israel from believing, that when the time comes for them to believe, his end will be different. Number one, the book of Jeremiah tells us Israel's safety is secured as long as the sun and the moon and the stars fulfill their ordinances, Israel is safe. Secondly, God will not allow His word to be violated. So therefore I say to you, He tries to stop Israel. He tried to stop man. Thirdly, I think it would be clear if you started to think about this, the line of Christ. Satan tried to stop the line of Christ. Whether it was the death of Abel killed by Cain, because in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15, God made it abundantly clear that a redeemer would come. And so when Eve says, behold, I've gotten a man from the Lord. It is thought that she was intending to say, this is the one that would come. But it would take 4,000 years of human history for God. To send his son. But when he did. It was the perfect time. Satan's attempted to stop man. Satan's attempted to stop the line of Christ. Consider the actions of Pharaoh. Trying to kill all the human boys. Think about um, all the Hebrew boys. Consider Abraham. Isaac. Jacob. Malon. Ruth's wife. <laughs> Ruth's husband. Think of that. Think of each time that the line of Christ was threatened. You say a bunch of words and see if you don't mess up sometimes. 
saw four of you laugh, at least I know you can hear me. But each of these incursions Satan made to stop the plan of God. If he could stop Israel, he would. If he could stop man, he would. If he could stop the light of Christ, he would. Fourth one. The fourth incursion I believe that you could point to, in fact, Christ even referenced such, is he tried to stop Christ himself. Temptations. Offered him a plan. And God, Jesus refused that plan. If you think of Herod killing the firstborn children, why? Because he wanted to stop Christ. Which brings me to the fifth incursion that Christ made, or that Satan's made, and Christ referred to in Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 18. He promised that he would start the church, and when he said that that church would be started, the gates of hell itself would never, shall never prevail against it. Why would Satan try to stop the church? Go with me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. They've been summoned by Christ. Verse number 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? I believe that that was a political question. They were a nation held hostage by Rome. And with his resurrection, they assume that his kingdom would begin. And so the question is, are we doing it now? Can we throw the Roman bums out? And Christ said, no, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. And then he says in verse 8, but. Another divine conjunction. But. Ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Why does Satan want to stop Christ's church? It's clear to me. I hope it's as clear to you that... i got to do an illustration. Charlie, would you help me? I wore out the kids this morning. You're a Marine. You can take it. Suck it up. Thank you for being so kind. No one's ever died in an illustration of which I'm aware. Do you know, by the way, Micah, you okay? You enjoying this, aren't you? Yeah. Alethea, you good? Yeah, good. This is what it looks like. Do you know what a relay race is? What is a relay race, sir? Speak to my cheek. That's weird. <laughs> A baton. Wow. Struggle bus for the baton today. Here we go. All sorts of implements here. Don't drop this. This is probably somebody's important thing. 
You can do pretensies, right? Okay. Baton. Then what? Next racer. Do you hand it as you just demonstrated? You just went. That's not how you do that. No. There's skill involved in this. So, ah, yes, we hand it back. Come this way. I'm going to ask you to run across, but I'm going to give you my Fitbit first to make those steps count. <laughs> What's, Brother Charlie, thank you for your patience, and I realize you could hurt me badly, and I'm respecting that. <laughs> Micah, I wasn't really worried about. Alethea, wow, but no. What's the one rule in a relay race? Nah. Keep going. They're whispering it out there. I wear a hearing aid and I can hear them. Don't drop. Yeah, that, yeah. Can I have a replacement? <laughs> Just kidding, you know that. So let's demonstrate this. You are the initial runner. Please don't run. I can't keep up. And let's just slow walk this, okay? So you start out the race, and I'm coming up behind you. Off you go. And then, don't go too fast. Then what? We're coming to that zone. Hold it right there. That, don't let go. That is the moment I want you to see when you read verse 8. That's the moment. Hold, hold your position. Oh. Man, you're a Marine, man. This is Christ. 4,000 years plus eternity past. Because the Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the world. The plan of God was already in order. Every single thing hinged on this moment where the baton is going to be passed to a bunch of uneducated guys whom I'm sure the world had no confidence. I want to say, you were the man. I, do you know this guy up here? Are you married? Yeah, okay, good. Because... Because y'all were sitting awfully close if you wasn't. <laughs> I want to look at that plan. Eleven gathered on a hillside. The most unlikely, the most uncommon, the most unlearned. And I want to say, with all due respect, is that the best we got? I know the proper grammar would be is that the best we have but you understood God is that the best we can do 11 guys and you're going to take 4,000 years of human history and hand it off to these what kind of mission is that whoa whoa <laughs> your shoes squeak I heard you You know, you've served our nation's interests abroad. You've 
Your service made sure my family has only known peace, for which I am grateful. And all who have served in this room, I don't know who you are, but for all who have served, thank you. But a mission is everything, isn't it, to a, a marine or a sailor or a guardsman or a soldier or a sailor? Does it, all of them. It's, a mission is everything. If you don't know your mission, then you're not going to be able to accomplish your objective. Everybody has to know what the mission is. Can you imagine just in that moment as you were standing there, as Christ was standing there and handing off that baton to them, humanly speaking, I'm thinking, for real? These people? But that's the beauty of it. God doesn't look at us like humans look at each other. He sees what we become. And when He sees what we become, He gives us, or what we can become, He gives us the tools we need to do His job. I'm in your debt. Oh, stop, he wasn't that good. In order to do the mission of God, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, tell us precisely as a church what it takes to do the mission of God. Micah, I do not want you to think you've escaped. Alethea, you are not off the hook, girl. Here we go, verse 8. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Only a preacher would see four points there. So let me give them to you, and then I'll let you go. Number one, in order for this church to do the mission of God, it requires God's power. It is not a power of our own. It is not a power from within, but rather it is a power that is from out. It is not a natural power, but rather a supernatural power. It is a power from above and not below. It is a power that is superior. It is not produced by mankind. It is not a power of prestige, but rather it is just submission to God and say, God, fill me and use me. This church will never accomplish the Great Commission without God's power. Brother Hendricks and Brother Hendricks. Sounds like a law firm, Hendricks and Hendricks. Pastor referenced the fact that he did not know your parents. I didn't realize that. I have been in the Hendricks home in India. I knew their mother before she married her, her husband, their father. I've known their grandfather and grandmother and their aunts and uncles. All. While there is great spiritual heritage in these young men, they are nothing without the power of God. A family name does not guarantee success. You cannot do the mission of God 
without the power of God. I understand we have a lady here tonight who's a missionary for part of our conference. Identify. Thank you, ma'am, for being here. Please tell me where you are serving and don't feel like you're isolated or single out. I'll ask anybody a question. Ecuador, not Africa, South America. There we go. Ecuador. You know why they call it Ecuador? She'll probably tell you. You're in Ecuador. Thank you, first of all, for your service to Christ. Thank you for giving your life for that mission. Ma'am, you are nothing. We've never shaken hands. We've never spoken until this moment. You are nothing without the power of God. You cannot do the mission of God without His power. And this is to which He was referring. He's saying that you need the power of God. Don't do the mission without the power. Brother, Brother Charlie, can you imagine being sent on a mission without the resources needed to do the job. You think, yeah, I could tell you four of them, but I'd have to kill you afterward. But whatever. But you need the resources to get the job done. Church, we must have God's resources. Listen carefully that He has entrusted to you as stewards to use for the mission. I would hate to withhold resources from God that were needed to get the mission done. Second thing you need for God's mission, notice if you would please. Ye shall be witnesses unto me. Sorry, back up further, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Number two, in order to do the mission of God, you are going to need a partner. This is not a partner that is your soul winning partner. This is the partner who is the Holy Ghost. We are nothing without Him. A life that is in submission to the Holy Ghost says, notice I did not say surrender. There's a huge difference between surrender and submission. One you'll find in the Bible, the other you will not. Surrender is I'm yielding to a stronger force and therefore I give up. Submission says, I'm not even going to fight. When we are submitted to the Holy Spirit of God, great things can come. On my weakest day, it is then that I find His strength. And when I rely on my own strength, it is that is my weakest day. For without Him, we can do nothing. Church, don't do the mission of God without His power. Number three. You cannot do the mission of God without knowing your position. What is your position? Look at verse number 8. Ye shall be witnesses unto me. What is a witness? A witness is someone who declares what they know, what they saw, what they know to be fact, and that is our job. You say, well, well, what's the missionary's position? Witness. What's my position? Witness. You say, there's only one position? Yup, everything else is taken up by God. All we need are witnesses. If we learned that our dear sister was in Ecuador on vacation, doing nothing for God, 
but just receiving your support and not using it for anything in ministry, we would struggle with that. If we found out that the Hendricks family was wasting God's money by not using it for ministry, we would find that fundamentally disturbing. There would probably be motions made after confirmation and verification. Let us remove their support. And I say, amen. However, who drops your support when you don't witness here? We have the throw the bums out mentality for our missionaries. But what about us? We have the same task. We are counting on them to do the job where they are. And they, in turn, are counting on us to do the job here. What a thrill to be able to hear the tracked report. Is that to, to, to the year the one in the red? Because I'm not doing the math on adding those together. I refuse to do that. I just, it's not in my contract. 31,000 tracks for the year? Unless you all are lying, that's tremendous. We must do our job here. We must not shirk our responsibility. Number four. The fourth thing we need to know on our mission, number one, we need God's power. Number two, we need God's partner. Number three, we need to know God's position for us. Number four, we need to know the places we must go. Notice, if you will, please, in our text, he names four. Jerusalem, that would be the home place. Judea, that would be, in fact, if you really study Judea out, it was a hill country area. And oftentimes you would see a spiritually hardened people in that area. So let me call it the home place and the hardened places. Third one, Samaria. Well, if, if you've read the New Testament any, you would realize that the Samaritans were unwanted, unwelcomed, and nobody wanted to travel through their country. I can't even make a corollary between the hostility between Jews and Samaritans in modern culture. For this is a 3,000 year old feud between the two groups. And he said, don't skip the Samaritans. Home place, hardened place, hated place. Fourth one. And the uttermost part of the earth. That would be the hard to reach place. Brother Hendricks, how do I say that? Tim and Trophies, mom and dad. Their grandfather, whom we buried just last year in April, reached an area called the Javadi Hills. As 
Dr. Franks explained it to me, and I've been there and preached. It's a string of villages across the mountain range that the government even neglects. And they go up faithfully. When I went, it was a three-hour climb up the mountain. Trust me, I did not walk. I rode in a car. But the, the uh, ruts, this is going to sound an exaggeration. Boys, you're going to have to just help me on this. The ruts were so large, and I was so large, they made me get out of the van... Fat people have feelings. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Made me get out of the van to walk so they could drive the van through the ruts. Why would they go? Because there were people on the top of the hill that needed to hear the gospel. Ma'am, I'm not sure if you have a village-type ministry or a city-type ministry, but you know of these kind of places. Neglected by all, but someone faithfully bringing the gospel. I say this to you tonight. We must get the gospel everywhere. The hard to reach places, the hated places, the hardened places, and the home places. So, one question for you. We're done. So why can't you ask the question at the beginning and just let us go early? Because that's against the rules. I'm supposed to yell at you for 30 minutes. So I'm done yelling. Let me say this. If we know what we need to do to get the mission done, I ask one question tonight. Does God have all of you and your resources to do the mission? You say, what does that mean? That you're all in for his mission. Charlie, I guess on your, uh, your military experience, you guys relied on teams and units to get the stuff done. If you had a guy that wasn't pulling his weight or a girl that wasn't pulling their weight, it weakened the team. Am I right? And you beat them. At, no, just sorry, we don't do that. I fear we're expecting far more out of our missionaries than we are expecting of ourselves. I once was in an agriculture state meeting with a group of farmers at a church. These farmers... And a few other of the people in the church were on this committee. They summoned me from the missions agency to come and appear before them and give an answer as to why one of our missionaries had not won enough souls in the time that he had been there. I gladly went. I sat before these dear folks who loved the Lord. And while it would be quite easy to judge in this moment, please hear me out. I made an appeal of 20 minutes of describing every religious spiritual activity he had, 
the names of the people that he'd witnessed to personally over this season of his ministry. One old farmer, we're talking, now when I say old farmer, please, we're talking about guys with GPS-guided million-dollar tractors. So please don't get this idea of, you know, the guy that had a star on there, over. We're talking about men who know their stuff. And one farmer pushed back from the table, and he wasn't even the leader of that group. And he said, after hearing me, he said, John, sounds to me like those, that guy is doing far more than we are right here. I suggest we keep his support just at where it was. I wonder if we're pulling our weight here. This isn't about a tract report. Which I, in 25 years of preaching, I do not remember being in a church that had one. This is about all of me, all of my resources, for all of his mission. Would you stand with me? Dear Father, may this be the case in our heart. All of me, all of my resources for all of your mission. Thank you for what you went through to give us the mission. Please don't let us drop the baton as a church. Thank you for our missionaries. They line our hallways. Their flags remind us. Their pictures remind us. They're working. And may it also remind us that we must be as well. Thank you, God, for such a great church who does so much. And Father, as we consider your mission, may we consider our submission to your part. Our part of what you would have us to do. For this I pray in Jesus' name. It's the music. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.